morning, Ellie. Great to talk to you as always. Bill, I know you're an outdoors man. I'm looking at little boats floating up and down the river outside me here on the quay front in Wexford. Absolutely beautiful sight. So have you got back on the bike as a matter of interest yet? I have, actually. I'm doing the 160km uh, Ring of Bearer cycle there on the 10th, Saturday the 10th. So I'm uh, back in training now. So um, anyone who's out and about will see me from time to time up around Mount Leinster. So yeah. no, it's a lovely circuit and it's heading back to land of my father's, as it were. As you know, I'm a Carconian, so uh, it's a very picturesque route. So I'm looking forward to that on the uh, 10th. All right, Bill, I want to get back to Crohn's disease. I also want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what's very much in the news at the well, de- uh, at the moment, delays in getting procedures and getting appointments and just what you're dealing with when someone comes to you and you refer them for an appointment, whether they be public or private patients. But I have a couple of questions already in from our morning mix listeners, which to me are the most important things of all is to get those questions out. Uh, this first lady wants her name not mentioned. She says, I'm feeling very unwell. I'm dizzy now and my left side is in a bad way. I have a lot of discomfort and my stomach is swollen. I'm going for an OGD this week. Could it be my spleen or lung or kidney? Um, I do have a large ovary and a year and a half ago it was 3.7 centimetres. I'm bending over with my left side and losing my balance and I'm totally worn out. It's a bit reminiscent of a similar comment but it's a different one to the one we gave you last week, Bill. But uh, any advice, please? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a large bowel issue, really, like a colon issue. But uh, if she's on uh, waiting a gastroscopy, I presume she's linked into the hospital services. So if, if that doesn't throw up anything, the gastroscopy, then they'll probably move on to other investigations, such as a colonoscopy. Uh, obviously, the history is incomplete because I don't know whether she has an ultrasound of her abdomen, uh, you know. But look, I, I, I think it's it's always difficult to deal with these uh, uh, type of symptoms. Often they're fairly vague. It's maybe an altered bowel habit, maybe bloating, nausea, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it's easier to deal with, you know, abject weight loss, bleeding from an orifice you know, family history of cancer, that sort of thing will give you, shall we say, more concrete direction. So, um, you know, often these investigations are negative, which is good news, and one is left with, uh, you know, a diagnosis of exclusion, something like irritable bowel syndrome. But look, really that individual needs to uh, maintain a good relationship with her GP uh, and, uh, you know, who will, uh, you know, coordinate investigations and, and, and advice and so on. Okay, and I think she says she's going for no G. She's going for no GD this week. So hopefully that will give her peace of mind. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, well, it should give a level of reinsurance indeed. Yeah. Right. Next question is: uh, What are the signs of the menopause? This listener is forty-three. Yeah, well, the menopause uh, usually starts at the age of 40. It's a kind of a gradual decline in ovarian function. And by that, you, you have two ovaries if you're female, and you normally will produce a number of female hormones, in particular estrogen and progesterone. So, um, however, as uh, the decline in production uh, proceeds, uh, usually from about the age of, uh, you know, 45 to 47 onwards, uh, you know, women become symptomatic and 
essentially uh, common ones would be flushing and sweating, uh, you know, altered mood, irritability. Uh, patients will notice, uh, you know, dryness of uh, the vulval and vaginal tissue. Intercourse may be uncomfortable, that sort of thing. Also may get sort of cystitis or urinary frequency, that sort of thing. But, um, I mean, there's a lot that can be done to uh, ameliorate those symptoms uh, and uh, there are all sorts of HRT options that are available from tablets to patches, gels and so on. So really, uh, women shouldn't suffer in silence. I know there's been a lot of bad press uh, in previous decades about use of HRT and concerns in relation to uh, a possible link with cancer, but uh, all the research now uh, suggests that there is no link with cancer and that uh, women can safely take HRT. Indeed, women who do get breast cancer, we prescribe HRT, so that should provide a level of reassurance. But if you're at all concerned and you're over the age of 45 in particular and you're symptomatic and affecting your life, then uh, go along and see a practice nurse who will arrange some bloods, uh, follow up then with your GP who will, who will be in a position to discuss HRT options for you. But um, there's no need to suffer in silence really on this subject. It's eminently treatable and uh, the quality of life for women will improve as a result. Bill, I hope we'll be able to get on to some of the other topics because we have a lot of questions for you. Maybe it's a, a, a sign of the times we're living in when people find it hard to get a doctor. Nancy says, could you please ask Dr. Bill, I was told lately I have diverticulitis. Can a diet help and what food should I avoid, please? Yeah, it's a very common problem. Virtually all adults over the age of about 50 or 55, if you do a colonoscopy on them, whether they're symptomatic or not, you will have diverticular disease. Um, there is a hereditary element to it uh, in that uh, certain individuals uh, will get worse than others. Um, it is associated often with uh, inadequate fluid intake, uh, with uh, low fibre intake. Uh, and, uh, you know, a poor bowel habit. So essentially diverticular disease is where you get little multiple outpouchings of the large bowel, the colon, in particular the left colon and, and rectal area. So uh, these little diverticular fecal matter can get trapped in them and cause inflammation and infection. So um, really the focus is on uh, in, uh, moving really away from, uh, you know, the diets we normally uh, consume in the Western world and more towards a plant-based diet. And really that advice applies to everybody really, which feeds more fruit and vegetables. In fact, the World Health Organization recommend that we eat seven to nine portions of fruit and vegetables per day. And if we drink approximately two liters of uh, fluid, ideally water. And uh, if you do get the call to go to the toilet, you should go rather than delaying it uh, for a more so socially convenient time. But um, certain uh, the foods you should avoid really are those that are you know have little or no fiber in them. And as I say, we should be moving away really from uh, red meat in particular and, and more towards um, uh, plant-based diet. But uh, exercise is also so very good uh, you know but uh, again I'd like to say if anybody presents with a change in bowel habits uh, you know perhaps increasing constipation or indeed it's associated with perhaps some weight loss or indeed some bleeding from the rectum they should contact their GP immediately who will arrange for a colonoscopy and, and other investigations 
Next question, Bill, revolves around uh, gallstones, uh, and this is really worrying. I'm waiting two years to get my gallstones out, and I'm in so much pain. I really, I, I mean, the worst pain I've ever had in my life was uh, I had kidney stones, and I will never forget it, and I'll never forget the care and attention I got at Wexford General Hospital as well. It happened, actually, it was actually uh, judging a talent competition up in uh, Clonroach with John Jude, and it happened during the adjudication process. Bill, the pain of gallstones are kidney stones. To, to be waiting two years to get the gallstones out, what's going wrong with the health system in this country of ours? Yeah, well, you know, the fact is that there aren't enough consultants, there isn't enough bed capacity, there aren't enough GPs in the first place to make those referrals, there isn't timely access to uh, abdominal ultrasound, although that is improved with HSE subcontracting out to provider to uh, private providers. Um, you know, there isn't enough of everything. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, look, I mean, I, I, I know last week there was calls for a national patient record system so that all hospitals could be linked in uh, to, to one sort of uh, universal record system, and that would include GPs. Yes. Of course, patients would have access to that. So, I mean, it should start with the basics like that, you know, but it okay. needs huge investments. It needs imagination and everything else. But at a two-year wait, if the diagnosis has been made and uh, the patient has seen the consultant and the consultant says you need your gallbladder out, uh, something must have gone amiss there. So she may very well have okay. been a, a casualty of the cyber attack. So I would suggest she contacts the consultant and see what the state of play is. I'm not quite now, sure if it's course, he or she, Bill, but I, I do know that at the moment they're in such pain and they haven't been able to uh, yeah. get painkillers. What can they do? Um, well... I, I think often patients uh, present to the emergency department on multiple occasions, and that certainly does seem to put some pressure on the service to deliver. So, yeah. um, obviously, without knowing more detail, it's difficult to advise further. But I think if she's in a lot of distress, if she's yeah. getting a fever, for example, then she should represent to the emergency department and, uh, you know, um, yeah. obviously link in with the consultant uh, through that route. But, uh, okay. no, I mean, it's not acceptable. Really, Alan, right, Bill. I, I'm going to take two or three more questions and then I have to wrap it up for the moment. You're in big demand today. Could you please ask Dr. Bill about the higher level of depression after a COVID vaccination? This listener feels that they have a higher level of depression having received a vaccination. Is this the norm? I don't think there's any evidence to suggest there's a link between vaccination and depression, to be honest with you. I mean, for most people, they would, re, re, you know, report, uh, you know, greater peace of mind that they're not going to get uh, severe disease or end up in hospital, you know, because they've been vaccinated and protected. So, um, you know, depression is complex and it has to do, you know, there are many strands to why people are depressed and anxious. So I, I think really that the person that knows you best is your own family doctor. So I, I think really the way to go there is to link in with the doctor. But I suspect she may very well ha have done that. But as I said, there is really no evidence to support a link between uh, you know, vaccination uh, against COVID and depression. 
All right, and what can she do if she's feeling a bit down after the COVID? I know I was, I felt very tired, but thankfully managed to get back out running again Saturday and Sunday. But for three or four days, it was absolutely knackered, Bill. I'm, I'd be honest with you, it was well, absolutely shattered look, after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, uh, you know, it, it, you know, some people will uh, have, uh, you know, low energy levels and so on, and perhaps altered mood, uh, you know, within days of, of having it. But uh, usually, that's uh, a short term thing. But if it's a long term issue, and there are other issues at play yeah. and really probably the focus needs to be on those and look dealing with anxiety and depression uh, is as I say complex it does involve primarily counselling to deal with usually legacy issues that perhaps haven't been dealt with in people's lives yeah. you know ongoing issues stress with you know relationships with family neighbours work or whatever else you know okay. uh, and obviously there's a place for medication as well so look um, you know, I think linking with the GP there would be the best thing. Or, or if you are linked into mental health services, make contact right. with them. I, I asked the listeners, Bill, for just a comment, and we've got lots of them, and I'm just going to have be able to refer to this one to round off our conversation with you today. It comes from Miriam, who says, listen to this, I was referred to a shoulder orthopedic consultant in St. Vincent's Hospital in May 2021. I received a phone call in July of this year. The earliest I will be seen is May 2024. I, I, I don't blame the consultants or the hospital, but it's crazy stuff, Bill. Absolutely crazy stuff. People paying their taxes, yeah. and, and this lady has to wait for three years before she gets to see a consultant. Sure, that's shocking. Yeah, I mean, it is all about getting to see senior decision makers, whether they're in the community, as us GPs, or indeed uh, at the hospital level. So it's wholly and utterly uh, unsatisfactory. And I mean, uh, you know, there was good news there with the announcement of funding for an additional 50 uh, A&E consultants last week. I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a drop in the ocean. Like, I mean, they need about an additional 200, actually, to bring them up to the European minimum you know yeah. uh, but look I mean GPs we need an, an extra third if not more to deal with uh, retirements and to deliver yeah. slanted care that's just the stand still really you know right. okay um, so um, look it, it's with the policy makers and the politicians at the end of the day uh, they need to be developing policies that work and in the meantime they need interim solutions okay. like certainly in general practice we need more nursing uh, staff more paramedicals of all sorts uh, because there doesn't seem to be any sign of any GPs in the horizon so look we live in hope we'll keep advocating yeah. for our patients and doing our very best I wanted to round it off Bill but I'll be absolutely shot if I don't bring this one to your attention because it's in the national news as well this is the situation with the uh, false widow spider and I've just been sent a photograph in from our WhatsApp page um, my two year old granddaughter spent last week weekend in hospital following a bite from the false widow. Now Bill, I don't want to scaremonger but I do want to get that question into you because people want that question answered. What's your view yeah. on this? Well, like, I mean, it is, uh, generally speaking, uh, they don't uh, like preying on humans, uh, these spiders, um, but if they feel threatened, uh, you know, they will bite. And uh, But, like, I mean, you're unlikely to come unstuck if you get a bite from one of these spiders, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, at worst, it'll be a sort of a wheel or a red mark, a little bit of swelling, a bit of numbness, a yeah. bit of discomfort, but usually it'll pass within a few days. So I think it's been overplayed. I think the the important message here is that yeah. global warming and climate change is responsible for, you know, a change in the biodiversity of well, the country. Why, why would the little girl have ended up in hospital being bitten by it? What would have caused that? Well, often, uh, you know, uh, 
there is pain and distress, obviously, you know, and, uh, you know, occasionally you will get sort of swelling of the lips and tongue and maybe some a little, little bit of respiratory distress in, and, and, uh, in and rare the, Yeah, the picture rare I occasion. have, Bill, the picture I have, it looks infected, actually, so there, there you go. Yeah, maybe that's the explanation, but in general terms, uh, it's yeah. as if you it, treat it as it would be, say, a wasp being Okay. Uh, sting. You just squeeze it gently and, uh, you know, apply an antiseptic ointment and uh, usually it will pass. But people shouldn't get distressed or upset or worried really. Thanks for that, Bill. You've given done the full diagnosis. I don't think you've had to answer as many <laughs> questions for a long time, but it's just a, a, an indication of where we're at. And uh, look, we'll link in with Dr. Bill again uh, next week and he's been with us for the last two and a half years and today there were lots and lots of questions for him.